0: Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes.
1: Hey, welcome to Mariner's Church. I'm so glad that you are with us. If you're a guest with us, thanks for checking us out. And If you're watching during our live service times, why don't you go into the chat and Let us know where you're watching from, and if you need prayer, somebody from our team would love to pray with you today. We are kicking off a teaching series, God the Spirit. We're going to look at the Holy Spirit, His role in our lives throughout the summer. This is going to be incredible. I'm so excited to study the Holy Spirit, but before we jump in to the Scripture, there's a few things that I want to share to those of us who call Mariner's Church home. So if you're a guest, you might find this fascinating because this is kind of some inside information on how we operate as a community of faith at Mariner's Church. First thing I want to share with you is our new church verse. So every year about this time, the directional elders of our church, we get away, we spend time with God, we pray about what verse is going to really undergird us as a community over this next year. And we're about to begin our new ministry year at Mariner's Church. So here's the verse that's going to that we believe is from the Lord for us, to remind us of his work in our lives and in our church, John 15, five. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. And so we spend a lot of time as elders wrestling with, how is this verse gonna drive us this year for us to be committed to just being connected, to Jesus, remain in him, knowing he's the one who produces fruit in our lives. And apart from him, we can do nothing individually. We can do nothing collectively as a church. We may do a lot of things apart from him, but they turn out to be nothing because we need him for all of the, the great fruit that he provides in our lives. In a couple of weeks, I'll teach more on that verse, but I wanted to give you a heads up that that's a verse you're gonna hear more and more about in coming days as it's the verse that's gonna guide our church over this next season. And the second thing I wanna mention to you is also in relation to the end of the current ministry year slash fiscal year and the beginning of the new one, which starts July 1st. So Mariners Church, we operate on on a fiscal year. Our fiscal year is July all the way through June. And so we are wrapping up this year. And this is the last week that we receive giving for this ministry year. And then we're launching a new year and we are so close to hitting our ministry budget for this, this fiscal year that we're wrapping up right now, which is amazing because most people told us when we went into this $50 million campaign called Multiply to see the gospel multiply in a bunch of different places that our, our giving to, to regular ministry would go down and it hasn't. Our giving actually has exceeded last year and if we have a, a strong week now, we'll actually hit budget. So I wanna encourage you to give to your church as we finish this year. And then if Mariners Church is your home, is this is your church? As we are beginning a new ministry year, I want to encourage you to give in a recurring way. You can actually text the number on the screen to set up a recurring gift. When I say recurring, you know what this is. You give in a recurring way to Netflix. Every month, Netflix gets a portion of your resources or the the shave club that you're a part of or the coffee club or the wine club or the gym membership. And we wanna say, hey, it's really good for God's people to give in a disciplined, recurring way to our church because by doing so, we constantly fight greed. We're actually even giving how the early church gave and we are ensuring that God's church is is well-resourced and financed. So as we kick off a brand new year, I wanna ask you if Mariner's is your church, to check your giving, to participate in giving to your church. And I invite you to fulfill that command that God gives us in scripture to be generous with everything that He's blessed us with. All right. So those are the two things we're now going to jump into the scripture. I want to open by telling you a two true stories of two freshman years of science. And these are my freshman years of science. Two Freshman years, two science classes, two very different stories. So freshman year of high school, I'm in freshman science and I am struggling. Man, I'm struggling with science. The science class was, it opened, the door did to the commons area where we would have lunch. And so we've taken several tests already and I am not doing well in the class. One day I leave the class, go to lunch, and I realize I forgot something in the class. I walk back into the classroom, and I think my school bag was what I left behind. So I go in to get my school bag, and the teacher's desk is there with a temptation that is far too great for me to resist. Her old school, this teacher's old school grade book was sitting on her desk. It was like a light shining on it with a pin right next to it. And I walked up to the grade book. I mean, this isn't on a computer. Old school, like the green colored covered grade book. I open it up, find the period that I'm in and my test scores are right there. I remember I had a 79 and a 64. I was not doing well at all. And I, this temptation, it, you're, you're gonna really think less of me after I share this with you. I haven't shared this with many people, but here we go. I took a pen and I changed the 64 to an 84, and the 79, I made it into a 99. I changed my grades in the grade book. Um, And you may think, gosh, how'd you do that? Don't you have a conscience? Yes, I have a conscience. I knew it was wrong, but I I just barreled through my conscience. I just disregarded it and went for it. 64 became an 84, 79 became a 99. Freshman year, science. I go back to lunch, I don't tell anybody because I don't want anybody to rat me out. And then two weeks later, the teacher passes out our tests, the ones that the grades are already in the textbook and and, in her grade book, and I have them. And it's not a 99 when I get it back. It's a 79, it's not an 84, it's just 64. And so, you know, when you lie, you gotta lie again to keep up the lie. So I change it on the sheet of paper. I lied, I cheated to, I think I actually got an A in the class. Unjustly, I did not deserve it. So that's freshman year of high school science. Four years later, freshman year of college science. I'm taking biology and I am doing so much better in my life at this point. My grades are better. My perspective on life is better, but I still struggle with science. It is like the old man for me. I am wrestling with science in my life. Now, in college, as you know, it really all comes down to the final exam. And the professor, he's, he's an older professor, he, he, he made this deal where there was this study room that was a, a, attached to his office. He said, you can come in, into that study room, check in with me, you can stay in the study room for one hour, and look at old tests. And you can write down some of the questions, you just look at old tests. And that's, that, if that helps you study, you can go in there for an hour. So I did, I went into that study room for an hour and, and then I had this idea, it was a temptation again, far too great for me. I grabbed one of the tests, put it in my book bag, and said, hey, I need to go to the restroom, I'll be back. And then I, I mean, I just hauled across campus with that test in my bag went to the library, made photocopies of the test and, and put the photocopies in my book bag, brought back the other test in my book bag, put it back onto the table and then left after an hour. And so now in my book bag, I have a test that I'm only supposed to have for an hour, but I have it for all the time I want because I cheated, made a photocopy and I go back to the library. And I'm in the library with the test and I have all the time, it's not an hour now, I have all the time that I want to study for this test, but something is restless inside of me, and it is not something I ate, and it is not a fear of getting caught. No, there's something going on deep within me, and it's not my conscience. No, it's, it's actually more than my conscience. I've barreled through my conscience before, no, this is conviction. This is something really different. And so I can't, I can't even continue to study. Within me, I feel grieved. Within me, there is something really deeply wrong with this, and I can't do this. I can't do it. So I grab the test, put it in my book bag, the one that I, the photocopied version, and I go back to the office of the, biology professor. And he is a year or two from retiring. I knock on the door, he opens. And I mean, my voice is trembling. I say, sir, I want to apologize. I took advantage of your generosity and I made a photocopy of the test and I was wrong. This was wrong. And whatever punishment you want to give me, I deserve. And I, I gave him back the test it caught him off guard. He, he says, young man, in all my years of being a professor, I've never had someone come clean without being caught. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm touched by this and I fail you. <laughs> no, no he, he, he did not fail me. He said, I'm, I'm touched by this. He said, can I ask, what, what caused you to come clean? And this is what I said. And this is the difference between freshman year of high school and freshman year of college. I said, last year, my senior year in high school, I became a Christian. Jesus made me his. And what I just did violates who he is and who he has made me to be. And I'm sorry. He looked choked up, reached out his hand and just nodded and I I left. Freshman year, Eric, of high school. Freshman year, Eric, of college. Two very different Erics. Both struggled with science. Both um, was very tempted to commit acts of cheating and lying. But freshman year of college, Eric, is very different. Not because I am good, but because God the Spirit moved into my life. See, here's what happened between freshman year of high school and freshman year of college. My senior year in high school is when I understood and really got the good news of Jesus, that he loved me so much that he gave himself for me and that on the cross, Jesus took all my sin and my shame upon himself. And if I believe in him, he makes me brand new and he made me brand new. And according to the scripture, when I believed in God, the son, Jesus, God, the father sent God, the spirit into my life. And Eric with the spirit of God within me is very different from Eric without the spirit of God. That was the difference. The spirit of God brought into my life conviction that I did not have apart from the spirit of God. This weekend, we are launching this teaching series on the Spirit of God. And we're gonna see the role he plays in our lives over these next several weeks. Now, the Spirit of God, I wanna be sure we understand what we're talking about here because this really comes from a, a key belief that those of us who are Christians ascribe to. And if you are new to the Christian faith or maybe you're curious about what Christians believe, this is really a key doctrine, a belief that we hold to. It's known as the Trinity, that we have one God, yet three persons the Trinity, a triune God. See, the scripture says in the book of Deuteronomy, early in the Bible, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So we have one God, yet when you read the scripture, we see that he is three persons. One God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. In fact, many passages in the Bible or some passages in the Bible have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit together. We'll even see some of those today. So one God, three persons. Now, of the three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, Spirit is the one that is least familiar to us. Some have even said Holy Spirit is the forgotten one of the Trinity, and probably because we have a mental framework for Father, God the Father because all of us have a dad or some of our friends have a dad. We have a framework of father. So there's God the father and God, the son, Jesus. Oh, we have a framework of Jesus because we understand that God, the son, Jesus entered our world, took on bone and flesh. And so he came here so we could approach him and know him. So we have a framework of father, son, but spirit. What is spirit? In fact, if you grew up in church, in the old school King James version of the Bible, the Bible actually doesn't refer to the spirit as the Holy Spirit in the King James version, but the Holy Ghost. And so maybe you grew up like, whoa, ghost. ghost. I mean, I was scared of ghosts as a kid. I remember thinking there was a ghost under my bed. And so there's God the Father, God the Son, but ghost. I mean, if there's a ghost under my bed, I would turn the lights on, and then the ghost would flee. But I didn't like the idea of the, a ghost. And so we're hearing that. He's the Holy Ghost. And when we think that the three are different, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are different, we misunderstand the Trinity because we have one God, three persons, and every characteristic that which is in the Father is in the Son and in the Spirit. So it's not like, which some have thought, okay, God the Father is the strict one. uh, God the Son is the nice one because everybody loves Jesus and God the Spirit is the strange one that none of us understand. That's perhaps what some have thought, but every characteristic within the Father is within the Son and within the Spirit. One God, three persons. And so we're going to understand over this, um, these next several weeks who the Spirit of God is, and we're going to start this week by looking at teaching of Jesus, God the Son, about the Holy Spirit, about the Spirit of God. And so I want to jump in um, to John chapter 14. Here's words of Jesus. He says this, and he's speaking to his disciples and he is about to leave. He's about to die on the cross and then be resurrected from the dead and, and go back into heaven. And so he starts speaking to his disciples about the spirit. Verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it, does not, it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Now, I, I want you to notice the phrase. We have it highlighted, or we had it highlighted on the screen, another counselor. Jesus says, I'm leaving you, but there's another counselor, the Holy Spirit, who is coming to be within you. This phrase is so powerful, another counselor. So in the original language, the word another is the word alos, and it means another of the same kind. So you're at a restaurant and the server asks you, hey, do you want another drink? When you say yes, you mean, I want another drink of the exact, exact same kind. If you wanted a different drink, you'd say, no, 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 I don't want another one of these. Can you bring me something else instead? And so when Jesus says another, alos, counselor, he's saying another of the same kind. He is saying that the same attributes, the same characteristics that you love about me, God, the son, Jesus, those same attributes are in the spirit. Another just like me is coming. Another. The Spirit is God, just like Jesus is God. He's another of the same kind. So, alos, another. And the second word I want you to see in that phrase is counselor. And the word for counselor in the original language is the word paraclete. And the word paraclete means the one who comes alongside. And so, here's Jesus saying, hey, listen, I'm leaving you because I'm going back to heaven, but... The Father sending Alos Paraclete, another just like me, who's going to come alongside you. Just as I've been walking with you, another just like me is going to come alongside you. In fact, he, the Spirit of truth, will move within you. Now notice in the passage we read, Jesus speaks of the Spirit as he, the Spirit of truth. Jesus does not speak of the Holy Spirit as an it. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is he, is he. Now, Jesus is not emphasizing that the Holy Spirit is masculine, but what Jesus is emphasizing is that the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is the person of God who moves in to the lives of those of us who believe in him. He, the Spirit of truth, will move into your life. Another just like me is gonna come alongside you and move into your life. He is the counselor, the spirit of truth, Jesus says. Now, the reason this is so important is because many of us have thought that the Holy Spirit is just a force, like the Star Wars kind of force, or the Holy Spirit is an it or a thing. The reason I say many of us have believed that is Barner Research Group interviewed a bunch of Christians who go to churches and 62% of us, people who go to church, said that the Holy Spirit is simply a symbol of purity or power or is a thing. 62% of people who go to churches said that the Holy Spirit is just a force or a symbol. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Holy Spirit is not a force, is not this nebulous power, is not a symbol. No, the Holy Spirit is the person of God who moves into your life. And the reason this is important is if you don't believe the Holy Spirit is the person of God who's moved into your life and you think that the Holy Spirit is just an it or a force, you will view the Holy Spirit as a power that you employ for your goals, but the Holy Spirit is not a power we employ. The Holy Spirit is the person of God that we enjoy. We don't employ him for our means and our goals and our dreams, no, we don't use him, he uses us. God the Spirit, the person of God, moves into our lives and this is better because he's not a thing we use, he is the Spirit of God, the person of God who we enjoy. Not a power you employ, but a person that you enjoy. So Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I'm leaving, but you're not an orphan, because another just like me is going to live within you. So the disciples are hearing about the Holy Spirit. Now, this is not the first time that the disciples heard of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I want you to understand that when, we're, when we Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit, isn't the first time that the Holy Spirit's mentioned in Scripture. In fact, the Spirit is mentioned throughout Scripture, and the disciples who were deeply Jewish would have known this. I wanna show you what they would have known and I want you to see the beauty of the Holy Spirit moving in to our lives. Those of us who are Christians, Holy Spirit is actually mentioned in the first book in the Bible. The second verse in the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter one, verse two. The earth was formless, so this is the act of creation, and empty darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So we read about the Holy Spirit of God in the second verse in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit is active in bringing order out of chaos. The Holy Spirit is active in creation, and the Holy Spirit is hovering over the waters and is going to make creation happen. Now, the word there, hovering, is used only one other time in the Bible about an act of God. And so the Spirit hovers over the water to bring about creation. I want you to see this. This is beautiful. The Spirit also hovers over His people, Israel, to bring about their redemption. Check this out. This is Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 10 and 11. He, God, found him, Israel, his people in a desolate land. That would have been Egypt. In a barren howling wilderness, he surrounded him, cared for him, protected him as the pupil of his eye. He watches over his nest like an eagle and hovers over his young. He spreads his wings, catches him and carries him on his feathers. So the spirit of God hovers over creation and now God is hovering over his people as he's gonna bring them to liberation And Isaiah makes it clear that this is the Spirit who brings his people to liberation. Look at Isaiah 63, verse 14. This is all in the Old Testament. Like cattle that go down into the valley, the Spirit of the Lord gave them rest. You led your people this way to make a glorious name for yourself. All right, hang with me, because now Jesus is telling his disciples about the Spirit. They would have known all of these verses. They would have understood, okay, Holy Spirit, Another one just like you, Jesus, the spirit of truth. Yep, spirit hovered over the waters at creation. Spirit hovered over Israel as they were led to freedom. And then now when Jesus comes, when Jesus is baptized, this is beautiful. The spirit hovers over Jesus at his baptism. The spirit hovered over the waters at creation. And now the spirit hovers over Jesus at baptism. Check this out. The, the, the imagery here is stunning. It's beautiful. Matthew chapter three, verse 16. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, the heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. OK, Remember, in Deuteronomy, that God's spirit is hovering over his people like an eagle caring for them to bring about their redemption. Genesis chapter one, second verse in the Bible, the spirit is hovering over the water of creation. So get this, spirit hovers over the water at creation. Then the spirit hovers over his people as God brings them to liberation, then Jesus comes. And the Spirit hovers over Jesus at his baptism. Why? Because Jesus is going to usher in a new creation. Jesus is restoring order. Jesus is bringing order. Jesus is gonna make us a brand new creation. And just as the Spirit hovered over Israel as they were led out of captivity, Jesus is the ultimate rescuer. The Spirit hovers over him as he's going to liberate us. And so the disciples They've seen because they knew the scripture. They were deeply Jewish. Okay, spirit hovered over the water. Spirit hovered hovered over Israel. Spirit hovers over Jesus. But this, what? Jesus. The spirit hovered over him because he's making us a new creation. The spirit hovered over Jesus because he's the one who is restoring order because Jesus is bringing us to freedom. But did Jesus just said the Spirit is not only hovering over Jesus. What? The Spirit is going to move within us? The Spirit of God's gonna move in to those of us who believe in Him. So the Spirit hovered over waters, the Spirit hovered over God's people, the Spirit hovered over Jesus. But now those of us who believe in Him, this is crazy. This is amazing. God the Spirit isn't over there somewhere. God, the Spirit, moves in another counselor, Athos, paraclete, another just like Jesus, a one who comes alongside of us, moving into the lives of those of us who believe in Jesus. This is what Jesus is telling his disciples. Hey, listen, I know you're sad I'm going away. I'm not leaving you. I am not leaving you as orphans. Another just like me the Spirit, because God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, same God, three persons, another just like me, is gonna move into your life. Now what's He do when He moves into our lives? Let's, let's, um, Let's look now over at John 16. Jesus is speaking more. This is a long sermon that Jesus is giving to His disciples. We'll look at this again in coming weeks, but now I want us to see Spirit of God moves into our lives, those of us who know him. What's he do when he gets there? We're gonna see lots of things over the next several weeks that he does, but I want us to focus on one thing today. All right, look with me. John 16, Jesus continues. I've told you these things to keep you from stumbling. They will ban you from the synagogues. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you would think he's offering service to God. They will do these things because they haven't known the Father or me. But I've told you these things so that when their time comes, you will remember I told them to you. I didn't tell you these things from the beginning because I was with you, but I'm now going away to him who sent me and not one of you asked me, where are you going? Yet because I've spoken these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. So you're sad because I'm going back to the Father. This is one of the verses, by the way, that we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit all together in this same passage. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth It is for your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the counselor, this paraclete right here, Holy Spirit, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, this is what he does, he will convict, 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 the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment, because the ruler of this world, Satan, has been judged. If this wasn't in the scripture, it would almost sound sacrilegious. I mean, if if I didn't read the verse and I got up and said, hey, it's actually better for you that Jesus leaves us It would sound like, what? What do you mean it's better for me that Jesus leaves? But this is actually what Jesus is teaching. Jesus is saying, it is better for you that I go back to the Father. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples because when I go back, I'm going to send another counselor just like me, same like me, who's gonna move into your life and it's better for you. It's better for you. A friend of mine, J.D. Greer, wrote a book about the Holy Spirit called Jesus Continued. And in his book, he says that, the Spirit within you is better than the Jesus next to you, which is exactly what Jesus is teaching. He is teaching that God within you is better than God next to you. That God within you, the Holy Spirit is God, and God within you is better for you than God next to you. Jesus, God the Son, next to his disciples, Holy Spirit, God the Spirit within his disciples. And God the Spirit, God within you, is better for you than God next to you. The reason this is true is because there were times when Jesus walked this earth among his disciples that even though he was there, he wasn't right next to his disciples because there were times Jesus withdrew from the crowd to go pray. There were times that Jesus was overwhelmed with the number of people, the volume of people that were around him. And so the disciples didn't get one-on-one personal attention. And so Jesus is saying, listen, it's better for you that I go away because when I go away, God the Spirit is going to move in to those of us who believe in Jesus and the God within is better than the God next to. The God within you is better for you. And those of us who have received the grace and forgiveness of Jesus, God has moved in and this is terrific news. This is terrific news for you because God is within you. It's terrific news because in challenging times within you, is the counselor who is able to walk with you in the midst of the challenges. It's better for you because in the midst of grief, the comforter has moved within. This is better for you because in times when we are confused and we are often confused, the teacher has moved within. In times where we are plagued with a mundane life, a mundane life, and things feel so boring, the God of all joy has moved within in times that feel chaotic, it is better for us because the God of all peace has moved within. When the world bruises us and beats us, we are reminded that the God who conquers all moves within. When we wonder if we are enough or if we have enough, it is better that God the Spirit has moved within because he is the God who provides all because he is the all-sufficient one and he's not a God over there somewhere. He's a God who has moved within. God within you is better than God next to you. This is terrific news, that the Spirit of God doesn't hover over water only or hover over Israel or hover over Jesus at his baptism. God the Spirit moves in takes up resonance in those of us who believe in him. This is terrific news. And at times it can feel like terrifying news. Terrifying. Yes, because God has moved in, this means that we bring God with us to places that God doesn't wanna go. We put our eyes in front of things that are impure. We put our ears in conversations where we are pulled into salacious gossip and things we shouldn't expose the pure and holy one of God to. I brought God with me into a library with a stolen test. And this is why freshman year of high school, I could barrel through a conscience that was struggling but freshman year of college was so different because the God within me was deeply uncomfortable in that moment. Conviction, conviction. The God within us grieving over our own struggles And this may sound terrifying, but even though that's terrifying, it's really good because it means that God, who's moved within me, wants more for me, wants better for me. And God within you, if you belong to Him, wants more for you, wants better for you. So, conviction, the Spirit brings conviction, is a gift, a gift to the Christian. So, those of us who are Christians, God the Spirit has moved in and One of the ways we know we're a Christian is that we have moments in our life where we sense his conviction because we are trying to bring the God within us into places that make him uncomfortable and he grieves and he convicts us. And those of you who are not yet a Christian, who have not yet received his forgiveness, you also haven't received his spirit. Before you can receive his spirit and his forgiveness, you must experience conviction. In fact, this is what Jesus taught. He says that the Spirit's going to come and the Spirit has come and the Spirit convicts about sin, righteousness, and judgment. And so for you to become a Christian, the Spirit of God convicts you, shows you, wow, I I need to be forgiven. I have not met the holy standard of God. I have not lived up to his holiness. I have fallen short of God and I need to be forgiven. If you feel that way today, this is God loving you. This is the Spirit of God wooing you to Himself, pursuing you, wanting you. This is good for you. This is God wanting you right now, going after your heart. The Spirit, Jesus says, is going to convict about sin. The Spirit's going to convict about righteousness. What does this mean? That we aren't in our goodness right to stand before God, that we need to receive the righteousness of Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus died for us to take our sin upon Himself and to give us His forgiveness and His righteousness. And the Spirit tells you that. The Spirit says, listen, you can't earn your way to God. You need the mercy and grace of Jesus. The Spirit convicts you about sin, righteousness, and judgment, meaning you realize, wow, I deserve to be judged for my sin." but thanks be to God that Jesus was judged on the cross in my place. And when the Spirit convicts you and you choose to believe in Him, I can't earn my way to Him. I'm so glad He came here for me. I'm so grateful He died on the cross for my sins. And I'm gonna believe in Jesus. The moment you surrender to the conviction of the Spirit and say yes as He's pursuing you, That's the moment you become a Christian. That's the moment the Spirit of God, another just like Jesus, moves into your life. And so if you're a Christian already today, be grateful that the Spirit of God, another like Jesus is within, because God within is better than God next to you. But if you're not yet a Christian, today, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And if you will surrender and say yes and believe in Jesus, God, the Spirit will not only hover over you, no, God, the Spirit will move in. And so I wanna give you an opportunity to receive the Spirit of God, to receive His forgiveness, to become a son, a daughter of God. You simply right now, you just say, Jesus, I believe in you. Spirit of God, come into my life. I believe, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins. I Believe that you are the one who gives me life. I turn away from trusting in myself. Jesus, I believe in you. Spirit of God, move into my life. And if those aren't just words that you're saying right now, if that's your heart, in this moment, according to the scripture, the Spirit of God moves in, seals you, we'll talk about this in coming weeks, and makes you His forever son and daughter. And so if today is the moment you're believing in Jesus, and receiving His forgiveness. We wanna know because we wanna send you a gift and we wanna pray for you and encourage you as you are starting this new journey with Jesus. So you simply text BELIEVE to the number on the screen if you are saying yes to the Spirit of God and God is moving into your life as you believe in Him. And so text BELIEVE to the number on the screen. We would love to pray with you and get you some information. The God within you is better than God next to you. All right, extend your hands, please, and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Jesus, I pray you'd bless your sons and daughters this week, that you would remind them that you are gentle and approachable and that you love them. Cause your face to shine on them. I pray they will experience your mercy and your joy this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Mariners Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariners Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariners app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community check out the gospel everyday podcast imagine feeding your heart mind and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life if you haven't picked up the annual read yet visit marinerschurch.org or download the mariners app for more information on where to find it